Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson today is from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother married, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the gospel of our Lord. How wise are you about the wise men? That is, how much do you actually know about the men who came carrying gifts to the Christ child? Now, if what you know about the wise men is based mostly off your nativity set, Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I have some surprises for you. Here's the first one. The wise men and the shepherds, well, they were never with Jesus visiting him at the same time, nor did the wise men come to Jesus while he was lying in a manger. The Magi didn't show up a couple hours after the shepherds from the fields or even a couple days or weeks. The wise men visit, it was months, perhaps as many as two years later, and that's why maybe some families don't put wise men in the nativity scene, maybe off to the side. And this is also why today on Epiphany, oftentimes people remove shepherds from their nativity scenes. All right, one more surprise. Do you know how many wise men there were? The correct answer is we actually have no idea how many wise men there were. You might say, well, how did we come up with the idea that there was three wise men? Well, that's pop culture. They took the number three and ran with it because, well, they count up the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, one, two, three. And yet 
historically, from texts from the second century, we know there is a likely more, way more than three people in this gift-bearing entourage. So how wise are you about the wise men? Well, let's talk about some things we do know about them. They were called magi or wise men because, well, that's what they were. They were very wise men. What we do know is that they were from the East, most likely Persia, which is modern day Iraq. They had a long history of being appointed wise men of their country. And if you went back hundreds of years, kings in their land would actually set aside a special order of priests. They would study higher things, astrology, astronomy, architecture, art. They would really study any kind of science that you can think of. Now, this order of wisdom seekers would even identify intelligent young children and train them up throughout their lives so they knew as much as they could. Their goal in life, it was to grasp as much wisdom, grab as much learning, and hold on to as much knowledge as they possibly could so they could advise kings. These magi, they were the nuclear physicists and the Harvard PhDs of their day. Everyone respected them, and everyone knew about the magi, this elite order of wise men. But you know what? In the eyes of God, the wise men, they weren't wise. They were fools. The wise men, well, studied gods that didn't exist. Their astrology, the study of the sun, moon, and star, well, turned these celestial beings into worship items, and they led others to worship them. Their architecture, their buildings of stone and wood, well, it was houses for gods made of the same thing. Yeah, sure, according to the world, they were wise, but because in God's eyes, they were fools, the Magi, the wise men, they weren't really wise. Now, this is where the story gets a little interesting. You see, you got to go back around 600 BC, 600 years before Jesus was born and this visit took place. What God did was send Babylon to destroy Jerusalem because Israelites sinned. As the destruction came about, so did the deportation of Jews to eastern lands. One of the first groups of Jews to be, to be deported was Israel's best, their best scholars, their best artists, their best theologians. Among them was a young prophet by the name of Daniel. Daniel, you know how the story goes, interpreted a king's dream like no one else could. And then God's word tells us that the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, and made him ruler of the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its magi, its wise men. That's right, the magi that we see here in Matthew chapter 2, well, Daniel was one of them, and not just one of them, he was the head of them. That meant that he would shape their studies and dictate their curriculum. That meant that, well, God shaped all of history to give these fools, well, one wise man, one of his very own prophets. And that meant that these men, they wouldn't be fools anymore. God gave them, these wise men, well, true wisdom. How so? Through someone. Just one man, 
the prophet Daniel, God exposed these formerly unwise men to the wisdom of scripture, Moses, David, and Isaiah. They read from Moses in the book of Numbers that a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. They read David's Psalms when he said, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. He will rule them with an iron scepter. These men read Isaiah when he wrote, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. Think about that. 600 years after these men studied scripture, they studied the heavens and the star of that king appeared when God in man was made manifest. And just as the manifold wisdom of God's word told them, it happened. And so they loaded up their caravans, their camels, their canteens, their maps, their supplies, and of course their gifts. And these lovers of wisdom who got a taste of of true wisdom, they went to go get more. Their goal in life, it was to grasp as much wisdom, to grab on to as much learning, to hold onto knowledge as much as they possibly could. But now this intellectual pursuit, it became a spiritual pursuit. These wise men went to go see a foreign king in hopes of more, more wisdom, a different kind of wisdom. But these men had no idea how different this wisdom would be. They first went to Jerusalem because, of course, they assumed the king would be in the capital. But all they found was Herod, puppet king, governor of the Romans. But his chief priests and the teachers of the law, they told them that you need to go to Bethlehem, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler will be born the shepherd of my people, Israel. And when they got to that place, the star hovered right there. No guards to check their credentials. There was no throne, no crown, no iron scepters, but there was a king. They found a young child, probably only a few months, maybe a year or a little more old, a toddler just crawling around on the dirt floor on his hands and knees, looking up to them. And you know what they did? These distinguished men of learning, of the order of the Magi, well, they got down on their hands and knees and they bowed down because they realized they had found a true king, a king who truly serves his people in the greatest way. They bowed down because they realized they found their savior and ours. Look, here is the true miracle, the true magic of epiphany. It is the length to which God went to reveal himself to foreigners who should have been considered in the wrong place at the wrong time. Look, how wise are you about wise men? Here's what you actually need to know about the men who came carrying gifts to the Christ child. Are you ready? Know this. These men, whoever they were, however many they were, wherever they came from, They are the type of men that really squeaky clean Christians in 2022 would not be comfortable hanging with. The arts that these men practiced, they weren't just foolish, they were forbidden by God's word, off limits because it was sorcery, it was was evil. In other words, these men, 
They were not geographically or merely ethnically far from their Savior when he arrived, but they were spiritually far as well. They were the least likely candidates to be among the first to to pay Christ a visit, to, to be next to him. And yet there they were. This is the real magic of these wise men. This is what God wants us to know about them. Magicians show up to the doorstep of the Savior, your Savior and mine, and theirs. And this magic, this real miracle, it wasn't lost on them. It affects them in a way that, well, magic does. It filled their hearts with joy. It prompted them to worship for they understood what God was doing for them. No, he wasn't just working magic in the common sense, but he was bringing about a miracle in the realest sense of the word as he worked out their salvation. They saw that God was here to save them. That's why they bowed. That's how they started to worship God. They understood that they had discovered wisdom, that knowing this child and what he was here to do was all there was to know. They found out that God comes not seeking the wise, but God comes making people wise. And look how he did it. God came to people as a person to be the savior of all for all time. And look, this same God who perfectly orchestrated Israel's history, the rising and falling of nations so that an elite order of wise men would meet a guy named Daniel and hear God's word. The same God who also made Israel's family tree just so, so that a savior was born of the line of David. The same God that created a heavenly object so it would draw wise men to himself. Well, this same God is doing all the same for you. God shaped history so that you would become wise for salvation. He did all this so there is no distance that God cannot bridge. Look, if he has already restored the bridge between man and God, which he has, how much more will God not bridge together all of our earthly guilt, loneliness, sin, fear, and doubt to bring us to him? Think about this. Most of us watching this are Christians. You're born into a Christian family. That was a miracle that God worked. Look, there was a seven in 10 chance that you could have been born into a family that worshiped something other than the true God or worshiped nothing at all. But you were born into a Christian family. Why? Because, well, God shaped history to bring you to him in the same way that he brought the wise men to him so that you would know that Jesus is your savior. If you weren't born into a Christian family, think about this. You're here today because God controlled all of time and history and brought a Christian into your life. Maybe your spouse, a friend, a pastor. But in the same way that God sent a star for the wise men, God sent a Christian to you, one of his lights in this world, so that you would be led to Jesus. And God did all this so that no matter where you came from, no matter your background, you would hold him. You would, you would grasp his wisdom and you would hang on to all of his knowledge and you would always know, you would never forget. His love for you is out of this world. The star in the sky, 
that was not merely a sign just for the wise men, but it was for you too. A sign that God's love for you is beyond cosmic proportions. Look, I opened up this sermon asking you how wise you were about wise men. I don't know, maybe the better question would be how wise are you, not about the wise men, but about wisdom manifested, about Jesus Christ. But God doesn't want you to just be content knowing the basics about Jesus or merely knowing what you know about him from your parents or your nativity scene or pop culture. No, 2 Peter 3 verse 18 tells us that God wants us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Put that another way. Your God wants your goal in life to be that of wise men, to grasp his wisdom, to grab onto his learning, to take hold of his knowledge and never let go of the truth that God has fulfilled his promise to save you in Christ. That's wisdom. It's the story that starts with the wise men visits and it ends on the cross. There is the end of our stars guiding as we watch our own sun stop shining and the Son of God stop breathing. Here, there, you see the length to which God will go to bring everyone, you included, home to Him eternally. The unrelenting justice and love of God. What we could not do, a perfect life, we see Christ do for us. His blood sealed the deed of our eternal home. His descent into hell, it canceled our reservation with Satan. And his resurrection and ascension, it assures us that we will be going home with him forever. And when you know that, when you know that, that message of the cross, which is foolishness to people who are perishing, well, then you are holding Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And the more you hold that, the more you understand that wisdom, God's true wisdom, well, the more wisdom you have in your life. And then everything becomes clearer. You see that everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen in your life is clarified and guided by true wisdom. That wisdom being Christ Jesus. What that means is that the desires of our flesh are curbed. The lies that our mind tells us are challenged. The priorities of our heart, well, they're lined up with what God's priorities are. This is what happens by knowing the truth, this true wisdom from God. Look, wise men were led to it. They were moved by it, and they worshiped it with their gold, incense, and myrrh. By it, they were changed. They went home a different route, different men. Everything that they had ever learned, all the masses of wisdom that they collected in the world didn't compare to this. All because God showed them in a small town, in a small child, there was wisdom in this one. Look, you've been led to it. You've been moved by it and worshiped now the same wisdom. So too, you've been changed by it. And now you know what life is all about. So whether here in worship, whether in a Bible study or in a small group, whether at home in your own Bible reading, friends, make it your life goal. May it be by Christ's power, your goal to grasp this wisdom, grab onto it and hold on to his knowledge also that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord. He's your Lord and Savior. 
true wisdom of God, true wisdom of, of life now and in eternity, which you can find in that small place, in that small town, in that still small child, in that still small voice of his word. There is wisdom there for you. There is Christ. There is love. Amen.